When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Our number two of a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, VSEN.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Game Plus, Sling, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. Of course, all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It is Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Still to come this hour, Joe Pita, who literally wrote the book on the Masters in terms of analytics. With his thoughts, his uh, his top tens in terms of course factor, who he's got at Augusta beginning on Thursday. Oh, cannot wait for that. Whole bunch of Masters talk. We'll talk to Wes Reynolds about that momentarily as well. Greg Peterson uh, will chime in on thoughts of the College National, National Basketball Championship. His thoughts, I should say, on it tonight. Wes, did uh, did you have a bet on the game tonight or no? I missed that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Kansas small on the money line, okay. and it's about a dollar eighty, dollar eighty five. I just think when you look at the the schematics in terms of how the game is gonna play out with matchups, what North Carolina is gonna do is they're gonna put their best individual defender, and that would be one Leaky Black. They're gonna put him on Agbaji and try to take Agbaji away, who's been Kansas's best player all year. He was six of seven from the three on Saturday. So if you're looking maybe at props, maybe go under Agbaji points and potentially look at a couple of the secondary options for Kansas like on the over Christian Braun over points or Jalen Wilson over points because they're going to take 
or try to take Igbaji away. But the thing is with Carolina, that's going to expose Brady Manic, you know, and they're going to try to attack who Brady Manic is guarding. Manic gives you a lot offensively in terms of stretching the defense, being kind of that pick and pop four man, can hit those corner threes. But what I think that they're going to do is they're going to try to go after whoever Manic is guarding. You would think it's going to be Wilson. It may be the smaller Braun. So that's going to open it up for them guys. And the matchup just on the inside is going to be fascinating depending on Armando Baycott's health because David McCormack obviously is really good offensive rebounder in his own right, whereas Baycott is arguably the best offensive rebounder in all of college basketball. But I do think maybe the emotion and, you know, the short prep, we don't know how healthy Baycott is. Can Caleb Love continue to make these shots that he's been making pretty much the entire NCAA tournament? I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So I do like Kansas to win the ball game tonight. Small lean to the under at 152. All right. Before we get to golf, I'd be remiss if I, if I you know, I have Wes Reynolds, for goodness sakes, on the show. If I didn't ask you about the Grammys, did you did you watch the Grammys? Did you have any review I, on the Grammys for us? I did watch most of the Grammys. And uh, the biggest favorite in terms of the major four categories, because there's always record of the year, song of the year, album of the year, and best new artist. The one that was kind of like the clear layup was going to be Olivia Rodrigo. I think she was like minus 1,400 to win Best New Artist, and she did. But I was very happy because a group I know that you and I both like, Gil, Silk Sonic, yes. actually a mild surprise that they swept for not only both Record of the Year, but also Song of the Year, because I think uh, the Driver's License song was the favorite for Song of the Year. That did not get it. So Silk Sonic uh, was uh, very much on display, great performance. And because we don't you see a lot of that music anymore become mainstream. We don't see a lot of soul music and, you know, classic soul that you and I grew up on win these awards anymore. So it was nice to see John Batiste won the album of the year. So it was really kind of spread around. I mean, it was a different ceremony because, number one, we're used to having it in February and not necessarily first weekend of April. But, you know, it was it was in Las Vegas, so it was in a different venue because it's usually out at a theater in Hollywood. But I thought, by and large, uh, it was a pretty good show. I was happy to see, of course, Silk Sonic and, you know, a bunch of different performances because I'm an old guy, Gil, so it seems like I listen to a lot of older music. <laughs> yeah. But I realize, you know what? There is still some good new music out there. You just got to find it. Yeah, it's just, unfortunately, like, so segmented. It used to be, like, if you listen to, like, uh, American Top 40 with Casey Kasem, you really got a smorgasbord of stuff. You got <laughs> rock and roll. That's right. You got country. You got R&B. You got hip-hop. You got just traditional bubblegum pop. You had singer-songwriters. Like, you had, I, I feel like you had more of a diversity <laughs> in terms of what was mainstream. And now I feel in music, everything is, like, so segmented now. Oh, so for sure, man. For that, sure. That, I think, is, is a bad thing for, for the music industry, really. And plus, everything, obviously, we're in the digital age, and everything's about downloads and whatnot. It's not about, you know, you and I, when we were young, younger boys boys going to the record store to get a record the first day it came out, you yeah. know, and just that experience is kind of taken away because everything is about, okay, downloading from 
from, you know, Apple or Spotify or whatever. And I think it kind of takes away a little bit from the experience of, you know, being a music fan and, you know, exploring new music and going to the record store and listening to this and saying, hey, I want to get this record. But, you know, that's the way the industry is now. I love it. I, I didn't talk to Wes before this at all about bringing up the Grammys. I went ahead and decided if anybody can riff on this, it'll be Wes Reynolds. And then we got, we got a whole diatribe on it. I love it. Uh, hopefully uh, you are able able to see Silk Sonic. I know I want to go see it. It's as Kornheiser would say, it's a gots to go situation. So I yes. would, totally get it. And by the way, Gil, yeah. here in Las Vegas, uh, Maxwell, another great R&B star, announced a uh, residency out here. So oh, that's wow. another one I want to hit. Okay. All right. A little Neo Soul for Wes Reynolds. Wes West, y'all. By the way, great contribution from uh, from Kevin in the corner. Greatest contribution he's made on this show in uh, in three years. Wes West, y'all. That's your new intro music. Uh, all right, Wes, the Masters. Obviously, you're going to ramp this up towards long shots and give out all your picks on that show, which you do with Brady Cannon and Matt Humans. Uh, but right now, in pocket, could you refresh the memory for refresh everyone's memory? Who do you have bets on? Yeah, I do have Justin Thomas at at fourteen to one, and he's one of the shorter price guys here, but. This is where I think maybe having Bones Mackay, Jim Bones Mackay, who, by the way, was Phil Mickelson's cat, uh, caddy for about the better part of a quarter century. Phil wanted all his green jackets with Bones on the bag. I think this is where he's going to pay dividends for JT really here, because if you look, the ball striking has now come back for Justin Thomas. I believe over the last 24 rounds, he's the number one player in this field in total strokes gain. He is second in strokes gain to green over the last 24 rounds he gained with the putter on the greens in two of his last three starts and that's always kind of a I don't want to call it an Achilles heel because it's not you know that pronounced but the putter he can be a little shaky with sometimes but if he can putt like he did you know gaining strokes on the greens two of the last three starts we might be looking at the next Masters champion he's come close he hasn't won a major though since 2017 at the PGA at Quail Hollow it's just putting all the pieces together I think Bones is going to help him with reading the greens and obviously he knows how to attack this course being on Phil's bag all these years so JT is somebody I did bet I did uh, just bet yesterday I took Rory at 18 to 1 mm. and he's not in great form coming no. in. But I think Tiger playing if Tiger is going to play and all indications are that he is going to try to give it a go here starting on Thursday, I think that's good for Rory because all of a sudden it gets ignored that by the way this is his eighth time trying to win the Grand Slam. He's won every major but the Masters trying to be just the sixth guy to ever do it. He's been trying to do it, though, Gil, since 2015. Mm -hmm. The last major Rory won was 2014 at the PGA Championship, and it's not like he's fallen off the map. He's still been a great player and been a consistent winner, but I think, you know, now it's kind of like, okay, the pressure's off him a little bit it, it, just with Tiger deciding to play, so falling under the radar is good. Patrick Cantlay, 25-1, to 1, number one in this field for strokes gained total over the last 36 rounds, number two over the last 50 rounds. The overall game is there. He's just got to get the speed down on these greens, and he had a good look at this in 2019 where he had a share of the lead. That was, of course, when uh, Tiger ended up winning and just – 
everybody left the door open to bring up a Silk Sonic song. <laughs> they left the door open for Tiger that year. Molinari hits it in the creek. Brooks Kepka hits it in the creek. And then all of a sudden, Tiger wins another green jacket. Cantlay was in position, but just kind of leaked a little bit of oil at the end. And then a couple longer shots. I do have Adam Scott at 75 to 1. Uh, what you what was long, I think, the weakness in his game, Gil, is now his strength, and it's the putter. This was a guy that always missed, you know, easy putts, and you feel like he should have won more. He's a former number one in the world, and he thought he was going to win several majors. He's only won one, and that was back here in 2013 when he beat Angel Cabrera in the playoffs. So, Adam Scott, that's a pretty big number. It would not surprise me to see him up there. And then also played uh, Thomas Peters at 125 to one. Never has won a major, but starting to get back, you know, in those rankings, just a little bit outside the top 30 in the world golf rankings was number two T to green on the DP world tour last year is top 10 in that category this year, as well as strokes gained off the tee. He looked like he was destined for stardom several years ago when he was really the star of that Ryder Cup team at Hazeltine in 2016. He's not made it since, just kind of fell off a little bit. Now he's back. So Thomas Peters, if you're looking maybe for a big number at 125, that's where I'd go. All right. We only have like 10 seconds for the answer to these last two questions, but I'll let you go with these. One, Tiger Woods, you brought him up. Are you in the you know, camp that almost laughs before I can get out the sentence of does Tiger have a chance to matter in this tournament? Or are you in the camp that resists that and says, hey, man, it's Tiger. We shouldn't laugh anytime he steps out on the course at Augusta. Well, here's the thing, Gil. He's 21 of 21 as a professional making the cut here. The only cut he missed here was his second appearance as an amateur. So it makes it an intriguing prop. I've seen 225 on, you know, the fact that he's going to miss the cut. I think all the action is going to come on the yes, but this is somebody I'm kind of going to stay away from because I don't know. And the fact that because it is Tiger at Augusta, you don't want to be so sure, but this is a very hilly and a very long course with a lot of undulation. So it's not just out there hitting the shots. You got to walk this darn thing for at least two days and maybe four if you do make the cut. So I'm basically going to skirt a lot of Tiger props. I'm not going to fade or follow. All right. Last thing. Wind expected Friday. I need one name. Who is a golfer that it, that, that plays well in windy conditions for Friday? Yeah, you want to look at the Europeans. Maybe Paul Casey would be a guy to look at okay. coming in here. All right. Wes, appreciate it as always, man. Enjoy. Silk Sonic, ladies and gentlemen. That's his new nickname, Wes Reynolds. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Note to self, Kansas is going to the national championship. Oh, brother. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup like the Breakfast Baconator, Croissant Combos, and Hot or Cold Coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends, oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Ladies, it's time. Well, he's a spoken-for man now, so it's not quite the time anymore. But you know what I mean. It's Greg Peterson, everybody, host of the Greg Peterson Experience, one of the great shows here on the weekend at Visa. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me. And 
March Madness with the calendar turning. It's now April Madness, and we've got one game left. So a little good pa- time to get all fired up. There's a little part of you die, though, when, it, when, when you get to the final weekend, obviously, with Final Four. Is, as great as the Final Four is, it's sort of like the hype machine of the first weekend, and certainly the Sweet 16 weekend is behind us. What do you, Greg, does Greg Peterson spiral into uh, drugs, depression, and alcohol at this point? What happens to you? Uh, no, because we're going to be off for a whole two days before we wind up hitting the MLB circuit, starting up go. that podcast, getting into all that. And as I always say, bets are won during the college basketball season. They're actually won through great preparation time. I go immediately from here to take a look at the transfer portal. Things like Thad Mata getting picked up by Butler yesterday, how that's going to be looking for them moving forward. And once one team winds up cutting down the nets, you start your preparation to Hopefully taking a look at another team that's going to be winning the championship in 2023. Your work is never done when it comes to taking a look at college basketball because we had 358 D1 teams this last season. Teams like Lindenwood and company are going to be stepping up to the D1 level. So <laughs> we've got plenty of teams to evaluate for the offseason. Yes, I love the attitude. By the way, how's, how dumb is Major League Baseball starting the first day of the, the Masters? Like how much baseball are you going to watch that first day? Or are you, or are you not a golf guy at all? I'm not really much of a golf guy. I'm going to have no action on the Masters because I have no idea what to expect from it. (laughs) I know what to expect from baseball, though. So I'll be watching a lot of baseball. I'm opposite of a lot of people. All right. So before you before you give us your thoughts on tonight's game, um, what it will give us a baseball. uh, I'll ask you what I asked Paul Spore at the end of our segment with him last week, which is give me a team that nobody else. I don't want nobody else, but that that generally speaking, people aren't talking about as a postseason team with the expanded playoffs? What, what's a club out there that, that most people aren't thinking about that you think might get there? I think that the AL Central is better outside the White Sox than a lot of people give it credit for. And I could see the Detroit Tigers being able to be an above 500 team. And I don't know if they make the playoffs or not, but their win total at a lot of spots has been 77 and a half. I'm sure that there's been a little bit of movement in the last few days, but picking up Eduardo Rodriguez, picking up Javi Baez, having those young guys like Tariq Skubal, having someone in a Casey Myers, who was the number one overall pick a few years ago. I think that this is going to be a solid ball club. I could see them being able to be above 500 and heck, after the All-Star break last year, this was above 500 team, and you've got a lot of guys in that bullpen that are relatively solid. Gregory Soto was a guy that wanted to make the All-Star game last season. So I think that the Detroit Tigers could send some people to have a 500 record, and I think that they have a chance to be able to sneak into one of those last postseason spots. Okay, so for people who are looking for your podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops is your is your basketball one so does that feed then go on hiatus and you go to your baseball one what's what's your story with podcasts oh no when it comes to college basketball who coast to coast hoops that's going to run 365 days this year okay. if it were a leap year it would be 366 days so <laughs> okay. we got you covered there and when it comes to baseball we're going to need to confirm the name here but oh. it should remain the same it's probably going to be either the baseball betting podcast with greg peterson or the Vison baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson. So you've got one of two very okay. difficult to remember options. The creative team behind the scenes, they are getting a pay raise for this. Have no fear there, but we've made it very hard to find a baseball betting podcast feed. Okay. We'll keep that. Up. So I wasn't the only one who was confused as to where you would be. Okay. So you'll be on multiple feeds. Again, we'll look for the name. Uh, all right. Tonight's game, UNC in Kansas. 
uh, we sort of characterized it earlier. Jeff was quoting people uh, over at Circa this weekend saying, and I think it's a great characterization, which is here you have two of the biggest blue bloods in the country. And yet it's somewhat surprising, right? It's UNC as an eight seed, Kansas as not nearly as hyped a one seed as Gonzaga and Arizona. And yet they are here after Creighton and Providence flirted with beating them. Kansas wasn't hitting threes from behind the arc. 14 combined threes made in both of those games. And then sort of slept walk through the first half against Miami before then Jayhawks a game shows up in the second half outscoring the Hurricanes 47 to 15 and yesterday 14 or excuse me Saturday 14 made threes alone but the real difference was McCormick underneath Kansas favored by four the totals 152 which way are you going I'm looking at Kansas laying the four I want up saying them as a five-point favorite personally because take a look at O'Shea Obaji. He's not only a guy that's able to give you 19 points and is able to bury over 40% of his threes. He's legitimately one of the best on-ball defenders in all of college basketball. And you talk about Kansas having a little bit of an up-and-down offense throughout the NCAA tournament. One thing that has been a constant for them has been their defense. You're able to take a look all the way since the beginning of the Big 12 tournament. In eight out of their last nine games, they have given up 65 points or fewer. And if you take a look since the beginning of the Kempom era, only actually no team has ranked outside the top 35 with regards to adjusted defensive efficiency and won the title. North Carolina would be the first team. And we talk about the Kansas. Will they be able to fall or will they not be able to with regards to the threes? Against North Carolina, I think that they're going to be falling. North Carolina team that's right around 200 with regards to three-point shooting defense and with North Carolina as well. In terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis and a road and neutral court environment out of 358 teams, 357th with only the Citadel who plays absolutely no defense whatsoever being worse in this category. So I do think that the defense is going to be winning out for Kansas. And I do expect the threes to be falling a little bit less for both teams than we wound up seeing in that final four game. When you wind up just having these high, these high stakes games, when you wind up having everything with regards to hype surrounding these games, typically things wind up slowing down a little bit more. And when you wind up getting the nerves taking over, first thing that winds up waning a little bit is the jump shooting. So I look at the under and I look at Kansas in the spot. Okay. Greg has called a shot on this one. The national title game, 9:20 PM Eastern. 620 Pacific. I always trip out on the national title game, how late it starts on the East Coast. 920 Eastern for UNC at Kansas tonight. Um, yeah, the whole West Coast audience, uh, I guess, available for this after work. Uh, this is a way unfair question and a way too early time to ask it. But as we look forward to next year in college basketball, because obviously you don't know, you know, the, the full makeup of rosters. But just in terms of, you know, what you can ascertain about Guys sticking around, not going pro, not graduating, and in terms of guys who are on the come up, what are some schools, what are some programs that, again, sort of like the baseball question I asked in terms of this year's postseason, but just in terms of being a, a viable team next year that a lot of people aren't really thinking about, what programs would you point to for next year? Now, I will say this. I don't have a way too early top 25 or anything like that on the Coast Coast Hoops podcast. We're going to be diving into this all summer long. This is not the time to winding up shelling out like 50 unit whale plays on the futures market or anything like that. Don't do that. Please do not. But with that said, I mean, I know that a lot of people are going to look at Arkansas and the way that they wound up going out against Duke this past season. 
They've got three McDonald's All-Americans coming in. Eric Musselman does as good of a job as anyone on the transfer portal. They're going to wind up getting someone. They did wind up having J.D. Note declare for the NBA draft. He scored double figures in all but one of the team's games this season. But as long as Jalen Williams comes back, he's a very versatile force for Arkansas. I can see them being a top-five team. I think that Arkansas has all the goods to be the best team in the SEC and perhaps the best team in all of college basketball. And then I know that you've been on this team for the last few years, Houston. Yeah. I mean, Houston is a team that they lost Traymond Mark and Marcus Sasser. And they legitimately in a game in which they wound up bearing just one, three in that game against Villanova were very close to being able to make the final four. They're most likely going to be losing Kyler Edwards along with Fabian white, but reinforcements are on the way with the guys that were injured last year. A lot of them are going to be coming back. Taze Moore is going to be out of the fold, but Calvin Sampson, he always does a good job of being able to utilize the transfer portal. And if those guys don't wind up getting hurt this year, who knows? Perhaps Houston winds up being the team that is represented here in the national title game. So I look at those two teams, and I think that they are very viable teams to be able to make some noise and be top five teams. All right. What I got out of that, Jeff, and you'll corroborate for this for me, I got a 50-unit whale play from Greg on Arkansas to win it all next 5, year. 5,000 yeah, unit, actually. I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Isn't that what he said? Or maybe I'm Oh, exactly. That. If you've got a 100-unit bankroll, multiply it by 50. Yes. <laughs> uh, Greg, I'm just playing with you. Greg, it's been a pleasure, man. Always fun uh, Always fun talking to you about college basketball. We'll look forward to your, uh, your thoughts throughout the baseball season, whatever podcast feed it ends up on. Again, the options being, you'll tell us again, baseball, what is it again? The Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson or the VEASAN Baseball Betting Podcast. It's going to be a hard name to remember. All right. Well, we'll find it at GUnit underscore 81. Greg Peterson, all of his podcast outlets. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight, man. Thank you. You too, Gil. Greg Peterson, everybody, right here on A Numbers Game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. A tradition unlike any other next, Joe Pita on the Masters. Coming up. Numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Opening day and the opening round of the Masters are the same day. So that first week of April, which is this week, will be jam-packed with betting intel from all of our experts. We're going to have a breakdown of every golfer in the field, plus futures bets and matchups from the Long Shots crew. That's Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans. Sign up today and get full access to VSIN through the start of baseball season, the Masters, and the NFL draft for only $19 at VSIN.com slash spring. I said it before the break, I'll say it again. This is a numbers game tradition unlike any other. The annual pre-Masters appearance by the man who literally wrote the book on Masters Analytics. You may remember it from a couple years ago, or actually a few years ago now, called Joe Pita's Tour Guide presents a 2019 Masters preview, including a never-before-seen 2018 Augusta National Strokes gained report at that time. Literally, the only guy who dove into the non-public domain, very proprietary Deep dive of analytics there at Augusta. It's Joe Pita, everybody in studio. How you doing, man? Hey, great to be here, Gil. You enjoying Bet Bash too? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and it's great. It was great to be down here, so I could come in studio, and I wanted to dress in honor of uh, a couple of your esteemed guests. Uh, this is in honor the uh, white sweatshirt. That's in honor of Jimmy Vaccaro. Yeah, uh, it, it, he always looks great when he sits in studio <laughs> in his white uh, <laughs> white sweatshirt. And who is your guest? 
who, whenever he comes on, he always has an obscure minor league baseball cap for you. Dan Bespris. Dan Bespris. So I thought, yes. all right, I'm going to wear a hat from an obscure uh, uh, golf club. Very, very <laughs> obscure, I see. <laughs> Augusta National. Yes, the so. most obscure of them all. <laughs> yes. the tournament. You may have heard of it. A little yeah. club down there in the, right in the South Carolina, Georgia border. We, we have to start by, by saying, so Joe is, Joe is, I don't know if reeling is a little too heavy of a word, uh, but when we mentioned the part about it, 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 wind expected Friday. So round two right now, if you look at the forecast, and we all know how forecasts go, but right now the way that it looks is that there will be 20-mile-per-hour winds on Friday. So a little part of you died when you heard that. Yeah, it did just as a as a viewer and a fan standpoint yeah. because uh, – and then you also mentioned it was cooling off Saturday and Sunday. Uh, when I watch the Masters, this goes back from, you know, coming out of a thaw in the Northeast. When I watch the Masters, that's one of the spring harbingers. I want to see the patrons in short pants on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and if there's too much wind – to borrow your phrase, I don't want to. I don't want a U.S. Open to break out. <laughs> you don't you know? want the U.S. Open breaking out. Of yeah, the we yeah. we need birdies and bogeys, um, and we don't want wind to take away the birdies on the weekend for excitement. So uh, I hope maybe it's just a localized Friday thing. Yeah, hopefully, because otherwise, it you know, it, like you said off air, it kills the sort of distribution of the outcomes and it makes for a kind of different tournament. Uh, let's begin with. We'll get to the tiger question, but let's begin with. Your uh, something you sent me about top course factor adjustments at the Masters. First of all, let's explain what that means. Sure, that's so. And and you alluded to it earlier. um, The Masters, the year-to-year correlation of an individual golfer's stroke gained from his past to future, so like T minus one or T to T plus one, um, is stronger at the Masters and than any other course on tour, and it's not even close. That's amazing. And and at the other end of that range is TPC Sawgrass, where there is literally nothing about your prior year strokes gain <laughs> explains um, your future years. Your, and so with the Masters, it's, it's really important to understand course factor. And then, as I talked about in the book, you really want to – you want to – calculate it correctly and course factor doesn't just mean you play well at Augusta there's a lot of guys that play well at Augusta um, because they're great golfers what you want to find are guys who raise their game at Augusta for instance Tiger has a positive course factor at Augusta Phil has a very high course factor and that's amazing because their baselines coming into Augusta the baseline being how did they perform over that whole year um, is you know it's amazing so and that's why I say it's stronger at Augusta than any other. So what I have done is I've calculated uh, the, and I think we're going to have a graphic of the top, there we go, yeah, Mm -hmm. the top 10 course factors at Augusta. So these are, and this is a minimum 12 rounds played, and these are the guys who have uh, strokes gained essentially over expectation, and expectation just being their baseline for the year how they performed at uh, uh, Augusta. And it's an interesting list because there are some names you definitely expect on there, and there are some names that that you might not. Um, And it's really the names, some of the names that are missing that – uh, that might surprise you. Um, but so I don't know if you want to, you know, put up the list or, or yeah. how we go. From, well, well uh, why don't you start before we put it up? Oh, we put it up. There you go. <laughs> so start at 10 and go work your way yeah, up to Yeah, so one 10 is Tony Finau. Tony Finau has been a staple of mine in uh, uh you know, in my predictions for the Masters, you may recall in 2019, I picked him to win it, which was a really out there 
call when the book was published in January before the Masters. It, uh, you know, he didn't win, but he, it worked out. The he, call worked out. He led out. after the third round. When he walked off the course in the third round, he was he was leading. He was uh, guaranteed to be in the final group at that point. Molinari did catch him uh, and was leading going into the final round. And and I still feel if they hadn't moved up the tourney early, they had to remember. If you remember, there was call for rain on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They moved tee times way up by hours. They put him in groups of three. And that brought Tiger into the final group. And I really feel, well, you know, I, I, I project yeah. that, that that hurt Tony Finau a little bit. He didn't need the pressure of playing next to Tiger. Um, and when Molinari dumped his ball on 12 in Rays Creek, I still can't believe Finau then did it as well Mol- and followed it, up. That was, that was the turning point of that tournament. Yeah, because like finally Molinari cracked. Molinari looked like he was going to win that Masters. And then in the water, and then Finau... In the water. Who was it? Dean, our, our mutual friend Dean, was telling us yesterday. It was an interesting story about how Kepka had yeah. had Kepka gone in the water before he Molinari. Had, cause, right, because these were the, this was the last group. Kepka yeah. in the group before dumped it in the water, and apparently he. Uh, and this is part of his plan, right. he shows no emotion. Yes. So he didn't toss any grass in the air. He didn't, like, look up at the wind, like, what's up? And, uh, you know, Kep- what Kepka says is, I don't want to give any clues to anybody watching as to whether, yeah, how the course plays. So Molinari, who's coming up the 11th at that point, wouldn't have been able to tell at a glance of, of Kepka that anything had gone wrong. And so in some weird, vague way, it's almost like he almost assisted Tiger, if you believe, right, that Molinari saw no, hey, and there's no, no danger Will Robinson on the horizon, right? And, and then him and, and Finau both going in. And then Tiger to, to the house. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, And you see Tiger's course factor adjustment. He was number nine. That is incredible because of the high level of play that Tiger was, you know, has always been at uh, at the Masters. Uh, And then some names that might surprise you: Uh, Corey Connors, uh, Russell Henley. That probably has to shock people. But again, these are golfers who have raise their game at Augusta. They may end up, I, I think, in the case of, of Henley and Connors, a couple appearances where they finished with uh, seven uh, seven strokes gained or more. Um, you know, and that's almost averaging two around. That's way above what they, they've done on the PGA Tour. Uh, we'll hear those names later. Um, I was going to say, up. coming up, Joe's top 10 Masters picks, and I'm sure there's overlap. Yeah, we'll have some overlap yeah. here. Uh, interesting number six, Justin Rose there. Um, I used, I bar- when we spoke last year, when I gave my top Top 10 list last year. You were doing it from the Circa Pool, I remember. And you may have had Wes That's on as right. your, I was as your co-host. And I borrowed one of your verbs that you had used during the Nationals playoff run in 2019. And I said that you are compelled yes. to walk into Circa and at least take a 20 or a $50 bill out and put it on Justin Rose, who was like 140 to 1 last year before teeing off purely because of his course factor. And, of course, he led after round one, and he led well into round three last year until uh, Hideki, I think, uh, it was after the rain delay, and round three really took over. The, but The Nationals' word, by the way, was obligation. You're, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, yes. yes. Right. You were obligated to do that. Yeah. I do have an obligated for you this year, too, oh. at the end of this okay. segment. I like it. Um, and then you've got, you know, Leishman, Rahm, uh, Hideki, uh, Cam Smith, and, and Jordan Spieth. Um, Jordan Spieth's... Always raises his game here. Cam Smith, um, number two. Didn't he, right. he? He had one tournament. We all four rounds in the 60s. 
Uh, yes, I think he was the yes, first guy, the right? The first guy yeah, to ever do that. That's right. He didn't so, win, right? That's right. He did yeah. not win. Uh, well, that was uh, that might was that the year Dustin ran away. DJ, uh, that, that, might... that was the, the Fall Masters where Cameron yeah. Smith had four rounds in the sixties and didn't even come close to beating DJ. <laughs> didn't even come close to beating. Right. And then Hideki's touch and go here, right? Well, exactly. Hideki, and this was again, Hideki has been a staple of my top ten calls. You know, I've been calling for sushi at the uh, at the Champions Dinner since 2019. You know, again, he just raises his game here, mm-hmm. and he's always had a pretty high baseline anyway. Uh, you won't see him on my top ten list this year because I have given thanks to what I call the Jason Day factor. I have stopped trying to <laughs> handicap injuries. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I've been burned with Jason Day so many times. Oh, I'm not man. so Hideki. I've just left off. I don't know where he's health wise. If he's healthy, he has great. You know, we saw it last year. He sure. finally. Uh, but last year wasn't the only year. He'd have been on this list. You know, even without last year's. Uh, but Jordan Spieth is number one on the top course factor adjustments. That's right. Now, what's yeah. important to remember, Gil, is that is above the baseline he's playing at. Jordan Spieth has never had a lower baseline than now than right now. Right. His last six months are re- are like replacement level. So, yeah, you know, he won't be on the, the top 10 list. It's kind of a just miss thing um, because I'm still expecting him to play above his baseline, but his baseline's lower than it's been. So that's why he doesn't crack the top 10. Interesting. We will find out what Joe's top 10 Masters picks are for the 2022 Masters, which begins Thursday. We'll do that next. And his thoughts on Tiger specifically. Coming back, Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. The Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, are you? Well, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards, sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Rather, must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Skill Alexander, Joe Pita in studio. Kind enough to join us here at the uh, South Point Hotel Casino, tip of the strip, to talk Masters, his uh, top 10 picks for this year's Masters coming up momentarily. Uh, do we have that tweet ready to go, by the way, guys? Not yet. Do we have the tweet ready to go? No, not yet. We're efforting. We're efforting. Okay. Um, let me ask you about Tiger real quick. Let's get Tiger out of the way. I asked this of, uh, of Wes Reynolds earlier. Are you in the camp? And by the way, Circa has a bunch of Tiger props that we've talked about. We talked about them last week. Are you in the camp that it's laughable that anyone would make any positive wagers whatsoever on Eldrick Tiger Woods? Or are you in the camp of you better not laugh about this dude at this course? Yeah, you bet. Right. I don't, and I don't think he's going up there for any ceremonial reasons. I think he is fully intending to play. And, you know, maybe it's a game time decision, but he, he uh, did, in fact, use those, that phrase. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yes, I believe he will be playing. Uh, you know, you cannot count him. I remember I was very high on him in 19. Mm-hmm. I had actually picked him third that year and ahead of everybody that was favored over him. Um, but he had played 
outstanding golf for the six to nine months leading up to last year's ma- to that to the 2019 Masters. You know, we don't have any baseline like that for this. So I I look at the props as very entertaining. Congratulations to Circa for yeah. you know having entertaining bets out there. Entertaining because this is an entertainment business. And we talked about it at BetBash or Matt Metcalf did where it was he's like, hey, look, it's just fun. Yeah, it's you fun. Know? Those are fun bets. So I'm not touching them. I hope that they all win. You know, on the bullish side, because we'd love to see Tiger. And again, for those looking at the bottom there, is it make the cut? Yes, it's plus 120. That's all. Again, remember, the Masters is like a 91 field, you know, group field, 91 player field. And 15 of those guys are Sandy Lyle, basically. Right. right? So it's That's right. <laughs> so, 50 yeah. plus ties make the cut, which really means you're going to probably have anywhere from 55 to 60, 61 guys mm-hmm. making the cut. And yeah, so that's only 30 that miss. And if 15 yeah. of them are ceremonial, eh, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is the, so before we get into your top 10, the real development you haven't remained static with your with your master's data. Tell yeah, us what, that's what's right. going so on. So when I wrote the book, the book had 2018 detailed stroke gains data, uh, strokes gain data. For any masters, we can get strokes gain total, but the the components of it were only available in 2018 when I wrote the 2019 book. I have then added 2019, 2020, and 2021. I also got a tip from someone, a reader, who mm-hmm. said to me, "Would you like access to?" 17 and 18 why? or 16 and 17 why yes which are I, would. The, uh, I was like of course <laughs> i would so that was another 80 hours of work each tournament logging every shot into but i now have a six-year database and after this year it'll be seven and i think for christmas i'm going to put together a big book and really dive into the details of the seven years of strokes gained. but so what we have this year gill is we do have a new development not only do we know that you know, that strokes gained have the highest correlation year to year um, at this event. But now I can tell you which components are the ones that are driving that. And it was a surprise. And I will reveal, I won't get into the standard deviations or the correlations, but the most important thing year over year at the Masters is strokes gained off the tee. That is surprisingly Mm. has a very, very high correlation and I've got some great stats on a couple of guys in the top 10 that we'll get to. All right. Number 10. Top number, 10 Masters predictions from Joe. Yeah. Number 10, we just saw his name, uh, Corey, Corey Connors. Um, Corey Connors, and this is purely based on Corey Connors has played well in his three or four other appearances here. But this year, he's coming in with his highest baseline in the last uh, six and last 12 months. He's been about a stroke and a quarter better than, uh, uh, than you know, uh, the field in strokes gained total. Add to that higher baseline with his history here, he sneaks into number 10. Uh, Number nine is Xander Shoffley. I don't think people remember how close he came to threatening Hideki last year until he dumped the ball in the water on 16. But if you watch that, and, and this was going over all the strokes, he didn't dump the ball in the water on 16. He came up just short in hitting that, you know, that that area in the back left on 16 on Sunday. Um, now, you're probably supposed to hit it onto the hill and let it roll down to the right, but he was very close. Uh, number eight is Russell Henley. And again, this has to be a bit of a shocker. This is a very high, high uh, odds guy. However, Henley played in the uh, Masters in uh, every year from 13 to 18, except for 16. And in those four appearances, they're stellar, no miscuts, uh, and way over his baseline. 
Now he revamped his game. He's coming in with a higher baseline than ever before. He, like Connors over the last 12 months, he's about a stroke and a quarter better. But over the last six months, he's about a stroke and three quarters better uh, than the, than the mm. average PJ player. So th- this is a compelling long shot to me. Now, maybe you don't want, you know, we're going to throw a little bit on the outrights, but this might be a very top 20, top 10 type uh, interesting uh, bet. Uh, to place on Henley. Uh, number seven is Patrick Cantlay. He does not have a good uh, uh, course adjustment history here. It's pretty much flat versus his baseline. He puts very poorly here, but you cannot ignore how high his performance level has been over the last 12 months. So I've got him at number seven. It's a, probably a little bit of a fade based on his actual outright odds uh, so you but you, you you know you just can't discount how well he's played over the last 12 months but despite coming close in uh, 19 he really has not played here well and his putting as I say like the components I can do is round by round putting um, and it's it's not it's not favorable. Uh, number six is DJ. DJ, when you get into the components, this is a surprise. Der- uh, Dustin Johnson has been uh, from uh, one year to the next the best strokes gained approach uh, player at the Masters. He has of the of all the uh, rounds he has played here, he has the highest percentage of anybody who we have strokes gained detail for in terms of positive strokes gained round. Uh, um, approach that is in 18 rounds he has 16 or 89 percent um, that have been positive strokes gained uh, approach um, number five is Cameron Smith Cameron, Ooh, yeah Cameron Cameron Smith has played very well here uh, even before he won the uh, you know before he won it at TPC Sawgrass um, you know I like him here that obviously shortened his odds um, I like the top four better, but Cam Smith, you know, look for him to be a factor. He just putts so well here, and he's such a great putter. Um, so that that's number four or number five. Number four is Scotty Scheffler. There he um, is. I wish Scotty Scheffler hadn't won three tournaments in the last, you know, two yeah. and a half months because now that would have been a bet. Those yeah. were some great odds at the beginning of the year, and he, you know, I had it teed up, but I don't, I don't try to guess these in the future, but. I knew his, his course factor was great. His details on his eight rounds here. He didn't appear on the course factor list because he's only played eight rounds with uh, he uh, only played eight rounds here. But he's just got positive readings across the board, um, and obviously he's playing great. Uh, I I you know he I think he's going to be a factor here for a number of years. Number three is here a big surprise. We got a guy up around fifty to one, and that's Daniel Berger. Layflet. Yeah, Daniel Berger, and this is the shocker. I mentioned about off the uh, strokes gained off the tee being so important from year to year. Daniel Berger has played 14 rounds here, and 93% of them, so I guess that's 13, 13 out of 14 rounds have been positive strokes gained off the tee. There's only one guy better, and we will get to him. Um, and so, and he putts tremendously here. The weakness is the irons, for sure. That's the weakness of his game. But he's got a nice baseline coming in. He has just displayed such excellence here that I think we can put him down for three or four strokes gained off the tee. Then he's putting well. All right, he's just got to get hot irons going. And, I, you know, price-wise, I, I, I love it. I can't take him above the top two guys because number two is Rory. Um, Rory has played better in the last six months than people think. I you like know, this. he's, yes. I, you know, I think there's more of narrative hurting him than, uh, uh, than actual performance. Obviously, he has also had some meltdowns and majors. Um, I do wonder what goes on in his head. Um, but. You know, this is uh, Rory off the tee, obviously, is tremendous here as well. 
but no one, no one is better off the tee at Augusta than John Rahm. He has had 20 rounds here. He has never had a negative strokes gained off the tee in those 20 rounds. And in fact, his worst was gaining a half stroke on the field. It's just incredible. And his putting of everybody in the field that we have data on too, his worst stroke round gain uh, putting was a negative one and a third strokes. That's the best of any worst. So John Rahm is my pick to win it. I know it's chalky. I wish it weren't. But there's a reason. Just any any way you're weighing these different factors, John Rahm's going to come out. I have one. a play on Rory, so I'm happy about that. By the way, here's a tweet. Is this one of your college buddies right here who just uh, sent a picture of you from your uh, from your younger days, Joe? Who said Gil? He said, uh, "I'll get the exact quote here uh, from the tweet." But he said a picture of you as a young man. He said, "Hey, Gil, are you sure you want to trust this specimen with your hard-earned dollars with his master's pick?" Hashtag. Bet profit. It was well. It was my understanding those <laughs> records had been sealed forever. <laughs> that is a picture of man. The uh, you know whether it's Billy Joel or Adele. That's when we were young.